0: The award-winning Your Financial Editor Program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to
1: another edition of the Your Financial Editor Program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast. Just go to Apple Podcasts. You can find it there. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us uh, early. Want to get it out there and say it quick. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms and grandmoms and um, just all you guys out there. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, you sure deserve it. And, um, and just happy Mother's Day. Um, good program planned for you today. We're going to uh, look at some top stories. Some of them are very interesting and follow up to other uh, kind of reports that we've had. Some economic data and then joining me. Dr. Thomas Hogan, Um, he is a senior research faculty member at the American Institute for Economic Research, formerly the uh, chief economist for the U.S. Senate Committee on Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs. Um, We're going to be talking with um, uh, Mr. Hogan about uh, the banking crisis, basically what's going on, um, how serious is it, what are the uh, reasons, the root causes, if you will, was it avoidable, what can we expect next, that kind of thing. Um, he wrote a really good piece uh, recently that um, they sent me, uh, and it's called "The uh, um, Another Bank Failure, just that easy, that simple. So we're going to talk about what's going on in that sector um, and make sure that you're getting the facts and that you understand uh, what really is happening, and not um, just all the hype and and uh, and different opinions, many of them wrong, uh, that are being broadcast all over the place. So that's right around the corner. So follow up to a story it still has legs, folks. This Anheuser Busch Bud Light thing, um, and it's you know it's been some time. Usually these things come and go; they kind of fade. A new uh, news story will will uh, tend to take over. And, of course, we've had many since then. But what wasn't well-received was on Monday the um, CEO for Anheuser-Busch InBev was being interviewed by the Financial Times, and he basically said what's going on is misinformation. That's quote-unquote misinformation, right? Right. So um, about this partnership with the transvestite, uh, Dylan Mulvaney. So he said that people often talk about this topic in social media like noise. Uh, you have one fact and every person puts an opinion behind the fact. He just goes on and on. It's word salad. Um, and, you know, him doing this as the CEO of this company, it appears weak, weak and it brings him uh to light as a, a a poor leader. You know, he should just own it and say this is what happened. We've obviously they let people go. He should say that. You know, we we got rid of people. Um but you've seen massive declines in um in the uh demand for Bud Light and other products. So InBev is massive, right? Um, InBev, Anheuser-Busch, global footprint. And when InBev bought Anheuser-Busch, they probably failed to understand the brand loyalty that came along with Budweiser. I don't know how you could do that, how you could be so foolish not to take that into consideration, but they—they um, they did obviously, and of course, these new people that they're getting um, for advertising and marketing—you um, you, know—they live in a, a, a different world. Uh, they were taught a lot of um, stupid upside-down things in college that they want to make normal that are not normal. They're actually unnatural. Um, and this is what's getting them in trouble. I mean, sales of the product dropped 26% year over year in the week ending April 22nd was the last number I saw. And it just so happens that Coors Light and Miller Light Beer, the main rivals, were both up 10% each. So um, now what's his response other than saying misinformation, which is stupid, Um They're going to spend a lot of money this summer in marketing. Well, good luck with that. Um, Also, HSBC downgraded the stock this week because this is for real. And um, it's really having a serious impact on the company. And what's really bad is all the people that are having to deal with this um, mistake by the marketing people and some of the leaders at um, InBev Anheuser-Busch. And I'm talking about the suppliers, right, the salespeople, you know, the other folks down the supply chain that have absolutely no say in this because if they did, this would have never happened. I mean, you go back to Budweiser, for example, there's people – like in the old days, just like with Harley Davidson, that we get tattoos on their bodies for life that said, bud. So how you can miss, misunderstand your base of customers this badly, it's like almost it was done on purpose. And actually this guy named Robert Latchy. He was the former chief creative officer at Anheuser-Busch in an interview, summed it up nicely. He just said this was a significant marketing mistake teaming up with this transvestite and that corporate executives appear to be out of touch with the beer's consumer base. You know what makes things even worse for Bud Light? Now the gay bars are uh, boycotting it too, a lot of them I saw. So <laughs> this is just a train wreck, and it continues. Like I said, it's got legs. I mean, people are determined. They're going to switch drinking beer. So anyway, that's a follow-up to that story. Also, um, the you know, a, a story just won't go away, being haunted from the grave here. The U.S. Virgin Islands government says it's unable to locate the Google co-founder Larry Page, to serve him a subpoena in this ongoing lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase for allegedly enabling Jeffrey Epstein's sex trafficking ring. This was according to a new federal filing this week. So the Virgin Islands sued the world's largest bank back in December. We told you about that. Alleging it knowingly facilitated Epstein's exploitation of women and young girls. I don't know, maybe boys too, sick enough, I'm sure, wouldn't surprise me. So the the lawsuit's saying that J.P. Morgan Chase turned a blind eye to evidence of human trafficking over more than a decade because of Epstein's own financial footprint. So there you go, right? Putting the almighty dollar before doing what's right, what's honest, and especially in this case— not protecting women and minors. So anyway, they can't find this guy. Larry Page is the co-founder, like I said, of Alphabet, the parent company of Google. And they can't find the guy. Uh, Epstein, Epstein died, we know, back in um, 2019. And that Manhattan jail cell while awaiting trial for federal sex trafficking indictment. Oh, by the way, the camera just happened to stop working. And guards that were interviewed just happened to walk away for a certain period of time. How convenient is that, right? Who's on that list? Well, we know a lot of the people, Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew from the United Kingdom, uh, Bill Gates was on the plane many times. You know, it, more and more people are showing up. Of course, they don't. That's probably why he was whacked, is because people don't really want the public to find out who's on that list and what was done and the abuse involved. So uh, I think they actually are interviewing uh, deposing, not interviewing, deposing um Jamie Dimon, the uh, CEO of uh, of JPMorgan Chase. So then we've got um, the impact of the banking uh, problems that I talked about at the beginning of the program. We're going to be joined by uh, Dr. Thomas Hogan, uh, senior research faculty. Uh, scholar at the American Institute for Economic Research about what is really going on right now in the banking sector. Uh, So he's going to give us his opinion. But what we've seen is the recent turmoil has caused lenders to tighten borrowing standards. yeah. So you're talking about squeezing the supply of credit to not just businesses, but the households. What's that going to mean? It's going to have a negative impact on the economy. It's not just me saying that. It came from the Federal Reserve. They're admitting it. The Fed's quarterly senior loan officer opinion survey, which came out on Monday, showed that U.S. credit conditions continued tightening in the first months of this year. The report showed that a net 46% of banks tightened credit terms for business loans. So you know that's why we want to talk about this to make sure you understand um Silicon Valley Bank right out on the west coast Signature Bank up in New York here on the east coast then back out to the west coast for First Republic now everybody's wondering what's going to go on with uh West out on the left coast right um so We're going to talk about that in more detail, but that's just a quick sketch of uh, the current impact that we're starting to see with banks tightening up on uh, borrowing and on terms. And then the other thing we saw this week, Americans are bracing for higher inflation, not just over the next few months, over the next few years. That was according to a key Federal Reserve Bank of New York survey The median expectation, folks, is that the inflation rate will be up 4.4% one year from now. That's not good. That's two and a half times what the uh, Fed target is. And it's unnecessary. This is self-imposed. Reckless spending by uh, the last Congress. Reckless money printing by the Federal Reserve not recognizing inflation when it was right in their face and they called it transitory. So anyway, this uh, 4.4% one year from now expectation is not what we want to hear. The survey is based on a rotating panel of 1,300 households. plays a critical role in determining how Fed policymakers respond to uh, the inflation crisis that we have right now. So we'll have to see how that does come into play, along with many other things, uh, in June at the next meeting. Another massive uh, mistake, and um, again, this is self-imposed damage on our U.S. economy and American workers. The Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, proposed regulations on air quality, whatever that means that could end up costing the American economy billions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of jobs. That was a report prepared by Oxford Economics for the National Association of Manufacturers. So these guys talking about, you know, micrograms per cubic meter and all this other nonsense that they're proposing, along with all the other damage that the EPA is doing, as an agency that shouldn't even exist, um... But they're saying that these proposed regulations will threaten up to $1.97 billion, with a B, in economic activity, putting an estimated up to 973,000 present jobs at risk. So this is directly from manufacturing and indirectly from supply chains. These people are just crushing, right, crushing the country. It's so sad. And it's no surprise, as you know, if you've been listening over the last 25 years, I'm not a poll person. But every poll you see is terrible for these people. We got another one this week from Gallup. And, you know, it's not just Biden who's sinking like a stone. It's the White House. It's the Federal Reserve. It's the Treasury Department. All of these on economic matters um, the you know the faith in them is just non-existent. Two years of chronic inflation everybody talking about another recession after the one we had in the first and second quarter of last year back- to back negative GDP growth I mean people just you know they they they're sick of it. And I think they really understand now that this is all self-imposed. This was done on purpose, out of greed, for power, um, for, you know, like greed, like I said, for money, for position, for control, you name it. And I just got to love it. You go back to a year ago or whenever it was, one of the – Biden was trying to give a press conference, and one of the questions – Right at the close was, don't you think that this additional spending is going to create more inflation? Which, of course, every normal American understands that that's what was going on. And uh, Biden got called on a hot mic and said, called the guy a dumb SOB. Well, I think we know for sure now who the dumb SOB is. It's him and all the other people that don't understand inflation and the economy and number two, don't care that it impacts you, that you've spent thousands and thousands of dollars more than you need it to, and you're never gonna get that money back. So now they cheer and they're like, Yeah, now we're gonna do something to fix it. Like like that that's a big deal. After all the damage the last couple of years, it's been done. And again, this is not just Biden and his lackeys or puppet masters around the White House. This is Janet Yellen. This is Jerome Powell. Um, And then, of course, you go outside of the economy and finance, and it's the FBI and Department of Justice. You name it. It's everywhere. Really a shame. And now we're up against the debt ceiling and people, um, you know, as I mentioned, when this happens— I've seen this time and time again. The closer you get to default, the louder it gets. So you have everybody using words like catastrophic and disastrous and epic failure and all of these other, you know, first-time-ever default um, chaos in the financial markets and blah, blah, blah. Um, this is a—and remember, um, and this has been pointed out, I just want to remind you, this budget this debt ceiling is not about revenue this past year and into this fiscal year we're collecting plenty of reven- revenue we being not me but the treasury department it's the spending that's just so out of control so wasteful uh so greedy and selfish when you look at how hurtful it is to people and businesses. So that's what it's about. It's about spending. And I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Those Republicans that voted for that garbage last year that Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Biden put out, I hope they all lose. I hope they all lose next time they run. You have to wait and see, though, right? That's just my two cents. All right, so uh, we have a little bit of economic data on the other side, and then we're going to be jumping in to um, my discussion with uh, our guest, Dr. Thomas Hogan uh, from the American Institute for Economic Research on really just what's going on with the banking sector big banks, medium banks, small banks, credit unions. We'll talk about it all.
0: everybody. This is Pastor Rick Warren. Do you know God has a dream for your life? It's bigger and it's better than any dream you could ever think up on your own. And when you read my new book, Created a Dream, the six phases God uses to grow your faith, you're going to get the tools that you need to find and follow the dream that God created just for you. Be sure to get your copy today at pastorrick.com forward slash dream and get on the path to living the extraordinary life that God planned for you. It's local news and talk radio at your fingertips. A service of Frederick Air. Now heard far and wide on the WFMD app from 930 WFMD.
1: back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can grab it there. Hope your weekend's going well. Again, happy Mother's Day to all you uh, moms and grandmoms and aunts and sisters and cousins and all you ladies out there. And um, a couple things real quick as far as economic data. We got two important pieces on inflation this week. So when it came to um the consumer price index the cpi um at inflation at the consumer level it was up four tenths of one percent in april from the previous month that was much faster than what we saw in march and year over year uh we saw inflation up 4.9 percent so uh, it, it continues to be a serious problem um you know you look at shelter which accounts for about 40% of the core inflation it showed that it was up 8.1% over the last year so rent for example continue to be a real problem but um we see it across the board even when you go up to the wholesale level before it gets to us as consumers and you look at the producer price index at that wholesale level um It was up two tenths of one percent in April, and then on an annualized basis, up 2.3 percent. That's making some progress, Um, even though we saw gasoline prices surge 8.4 percent. So, you still have these issues that are self imposed. We know how uh, inexpensive energy was during the last administration. Not it wasn't brain science, right? It's just utilize. American resources to help the American people, first and foremost, especially the poor, those on fixed income, single moms, right? They don't need to be paying more for gasoline. They don't need higher electric bills. They don't need any of that. They don't need higher food prices. But getting back to the energy, it's all self-imposed. We do it better as far as harvesting our energy here. We do it better than anybody in the world. We do it cleaner than anybody in the world, more efficient. And not only do we help people here, we can export that energy and help the poor people around the world. You think if you live in some shack in Africa that you're going to be able to afford, or the whole village for that matter, solar panels? that don't work when the sun's not out, or wind turbines, that don't work when the wind's not blowing, the cheapest, most efficient way to help pull people out of poverty is traditional energy sources. And then you bring in all the other, especially after it actually becomes um, reliable and efficient. But until then, that's how you help poor people, not just here, but around the whole world. The other thing I saw, Small Business Optimism Index, the National Federation of Independent Businesses, the NFIB, reading came in at 89. That marks the 16th straight month of readings below the 48-year average. And it's the lowest reading we've seen since, um, I think you have to go back to January 2013. Small businesses, same thing, dealing with all the inflation, Can't find uh, quality people to fill the positions that they have uh, because, again, this administration, uh, institutions around not just the country here but around the world seem to want to convince people that you can be rewarded for laziness. That's not how it works, not long-term. That's for darn sure. On the other side of this break, Dr. Thomas Logan. excuse me, Hogan – american institute for economic research this is going to be good it's about what's going on with the banks lately i've been wondering what's been going on i've been here before but i don't remember when and every time we get to where we're entering i feel my beliefs and hope surrendering
0: This is 930 WFMD and WFMD.com now.
2: WFMD News. Frederick Mayor Michael O'Connor has released an amended fiscal year 2024 budget. He says it commits further investments in city park facilities, community safety, and quality of life. The total additional amount is more than $2 million between the general fund budget and the capital improvements program. The amendments put aside $500,000 toward renovation of Hill Street Park, including the aging skateboard park. That brings the total investment in park renovations to $1.5 million. The Board of Aldermen is scheduled to vote on the proposed spending plan on Thursday, May 18th. The victims of child sexual abuse have another opportunity to file civil suits against responsible parties under legislation signed into law last month by the governor. Jonathan Shakur is an attorney who handles child sex abuse cases. He says this new law removes the statute of limitations for adults who were sexually abused as kids.
0: It permits... Uh, victims of sexual abuse in Maryland to come forward and enforce their rights with respect to uh, civil litigation against those responsible for the sexual abuse.
2: Some may question why these victims didn't come forward and tell their stories to their parents or other adults when they were children.
0: Youngsters are reticent, reluctant to come forward. Many of them came forward and told their parents or went to the church where it happened as um, trying to get some kind of closure on this. That was not viable. That did not work.
2: I'm Kevin McManus on Mid-Maryland's Radio News Center 930 WFMD.
3: News. I'm Karen McHugh. Looking to the future. The president today delivered the commencement address to the Howard University class of 2023.
0: We're living through one of the most consequential moments in our history with fundamental questions at stake for our nation. Who are we? What do we stand for? What do we believe? You're going to help answer
3: those questions. President Biden in Washington. The two leading Republicans for the 2024 presidential nod are in the Midwest this weekend.
4: Donald Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, both in Iowa. Trump will headline a rally in Des Moines. And DeSantis is also in town where I am talking with supporters at this picnic hosted by local Republican Congressman Randy Feenstra. Two prominent Iowa state Republicans have endorsed DeSantis for president. And it's a glimpse into what might be in store for 2024 as DeSantis and Trump lead in the early polls.
3: Foxes. Alexis McAdams, America is listening to Fox News.
1: The 9 30 WFMD sky Scan Forecast for Frederick and surrounding counties. This afternoon is going to be variably cloudy with showers, a high 74. A shower in spots this evening, partial clearing overnight tonight, the low 54. Plenty of sunshine for Sunday, Mother's Day will have a high of 76. Partly cloudy skies for Sunday night, the low 50. Can't will let a shower late pj's roofing when it comes to your roof they've got you covered visit pjsroofing.com i'm meteorologist jim rinaldi
0: 9 30 with a fox sports update from the fox sports studios in los angeles here's isaac lowenkron
3: there will be a new nba champion this season in game six of the western conference semifinals on friday night the los angeles lakers defeated the golden state warriors 122 to 101 to win the series four games to two. So the Lakers go from a two and 10 start to the regular season to the seventh seed in the West to the Western Conference Finals, where they will face Denver. In Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals, 8-seed Miami defeated the New York Knicks 96-92 to win that series four games to two. Miami to the East Final for the first, for the third time in four years. In the Stanley Cup playoffs on Friday night, the Florida Panthers won a Toronto in overtime on a Nick Cousins goal to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals while in Game 5 of the Western Conference Semifinals, the Vegas Golden Knights topped Edmonton 4-3 for a three games to two lead lead.
0: 930 WFMD wants you to know about our hometown heroes.
2: Thank you for joining us and pleased to present another hometown hero. Her name is Colleen Swank. She's the program director for Healthy Hearts, the Frederick County Health Department.
1: And Colleen, who inspired you to become a hometown hero? Well,
4: my inspiration really came from my family. Um, I have three sisters who have diabetes. Um, And that has always been a concern and something they've had to manage over their lives. So I've always been very interested in kind of these chronic diseases that many people end up with and have to manage, um, and very interested in prevention
2: and if anybody wants to learn more about the Healthy Hearts program where do they turn to
4: so they turn to the Frederick County Health Department and we have a webpage there's also a a webpage for the program and they can reach out to me Uh, The Healthy Hearts Blood Pressure Self-Monitoring Program is specifically for adults with high blood pressure or hypertension, and we provide a home monitor for them and allow them, uh, work with them so they develop the habit of checking their blood pressure at home.
2: Colleen Swank, thank you
4: so much for joining us.
2: Our
0: conversation with a hometown hero is a service of the Overhead Door Company at overheaddoors.com. Tune
3: into the Flatline every Sunday at 7 a.m. on 930 WFMD. Join Rick Hughes as he communicates clear and concise biblical principles designed to awaken the conscience of the hearers and remind them of age-old divine norms and standards you'll be inspired motivated educated but never manipulated the flatline sundays on 930 wfmd
0: it's your financial editor with chris murray on 930 wfmd
1: Is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com? And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. You can grab it there. Thanks so much for being with us. Again, uh, to all the moms out there, grandmoms, aunts, sisters, everybody, happy Mother's Day to you. hope your uh, weekend's going well. You sure deserve it and as i mentioned right before the break we're going to be jumping into uh our conversation with my guest today dr thomas hogan uh his senior research faculty member at the american institute for economic research uh he was formerly the chief economist for the u.s senate committee on banking housing and urban affairs and uh, has worked at multiple universities. You've probably seen him uh, on TV, heard him on the radio, read the things that he's published uh, out there in print. Uh, Dr. Hogan, thanks for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it.
5: Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be on.
1: Yeah. So this is uh, obviously it's timely. Been dealing with it for a couple months now. Started in early March with um, the, uh, the mess with Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, You wrote a real nice piece uh, recently, Another Bank Failure, just a small uh, snippet that really helps as far as, um, you know, what's going on. But for all of our uh, audience, um, if you will, just give us an example of how this started.
5: Yeah, you're right. The, the banking system is in a mess here, and we've seen several major banks that have failed. Uh, as you mentioned, back in early March, we had um, two big ones, Silicon Valley Bank uh, and Signature Bank, that both, both failed. Um, and then more recently, First Republic Bank just a few weeks ago. And it's strange, because all of these banks are large banks that were holding um, what would normally consider to be pretty safe assets. They were holding a lot of Treasury bonds. They were holding a lot of uh, relatively safe mortgage-backed securities. And so, they, they didn't have a very strong um, uh, risk profile. It, from what the regulators would normally look at, except that we had this unusual year where the Federal Reserve raised interest rates very dramatically in a short period. And so those bonds that normally would be considered safe um, had a lot of interest rate risk. And when we raised interest rates a lot, it meant that the value of those bonds fell a lot. And so it's something that the Fed. It, the Fed and the other financial regulators are not normally worried about, um, but they should have been because they should have known that they were going to be raising interest rates. And so that basically was one of the main things that has caused these banks to fail and then caused the you know, government to come in and uh, help out, kind of bail them out in some ways.
1: Right. So, you know, there again, like you said, you've got um – these bank regulators, which Mr. Barr from the Federal Reserve, you know, they've already, he at least he has, admitted, you know, about the mistakes and whatnot. But it's really hard for somebody standing outside looking in saying, okay, wait a minute, you've got these bank regulators from the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, where you talked about Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic. Um, you know, they know what the holdings are, uh, and they also realize that just by the Fed's talk, that they are committed to trying to catch up with inflation and squash it. Um, shouldn't they have been more proactive? Don't you think they would have built models to kind of gauge that war game, if you will, of how this could really play out in a poor way?
5: Yeah, it is a little bit unusual that they didn't have better risk management at, at these banks. I mean, I think that it, interest rate risk is something that everyone knows about, Um Silicon Valley Bank, I think, was in the process of trying to uh, limit some of that risk when they failed, Um, but they just—you know—it should have been obvious to them that the Fed was going to do it. Uh, I think part of the problem is that they just focused on what the regulators were asking for, and that became their focal point. That they were all just focused on what the regulators thought was important, rather than looking at some of their actual risks. And so the Fed has largely. Caused this problem by not addressing inflation very early on. You know, all through uh, 2021 and 2022, they were ignoring the problem of inflation. They thought early on that it was transitory and would go away. Towards the end of 2021, they finally admitted that it was a problem, that it was not transitory. But they didn't really do anything about it for another six months after that. And because they waited so long, they had to raise interest rates very quickly. And that was just not something that some of the banks had expected. But even the Fed itself, you know, when they were regulating these banks, they were not looking at interest rate risk because they early on had thought inflation was not going to be as big of a problem. And then, when it turned out to be a big problem, not only was that a problem for their monetary policy, but then, you know, now as we're seeing, it was a big mistake in their regulation as well. They weren't worried about interest rate risk, and therefore the banks weren't worried about it either.
1: Our guest is uh, today Dr. Thomas Hogan, a senior research faculty member at the American Institute for Economic Research. And um, if you want to learn more, uh, just go to AIER dot org for american institute economic research um and i'll, I'll give that out again uh, in just a little bit to make sure um you have that it's great it's a great site a lot of real high quality uh, knowledgeable information that you can get um to better understand these issues that we talk about all the time and have for the last 25 years here on the program so it, you know i just have to um have to wonder also, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Dr. Hogan, but I had heard that Silicon Valley Bank went for a an extended period of time without uh, compliance risk officers in place like they should have been.
5: Yeah, so I believe that's correct, that they had some turnover there, and so they actually didn't have someone in the um, main risk management roles. Um, but again, it, it's a situation where they were holding what would normally be considered to be pretty safe assets. And so they just didn't think it was a big priority, and the regulators as well. You know, the regulators are in a lot of these big banks constantly in communication, and a lot of them actually have offices in the bank itself. Um, And so the regulators didn't seem to think it was a big deal that they didn't have a a main compliance officer. But obviously, in retrospect, they should have been more worried about that. Um, And so I see this as as something where the regulators just dropped the ball and weren't um, carefully monitoring the risk. And it seemed pretty obvious that the Fed was going to raise interest rates, but they just didn't worry about it.
1: Yeah, and we're not – again, as you've alluded to already, we're not talking about some little startup down on the corner – um, in Mayberry, USA, that has you know three hundred thousand dollars of deposits. These are massive banks with hundreds of billions of dollars. Like you said, a lot of them have Federal Reserve uh, examiners, bank examiners that are embedded there. I just it, for the you know for the folks that you run into walking down the street, it's just it's hard to fathom how these types of things happen. Um, just because they think something might not occur, and that always seems to be the, one of the real issues is if you don't think it's going to happen, well, sure enough, it's going to, and people aren't ready for it, and this causes a, a crisis um, to a certain extent you know, in this sector.
5: Yeah, and and it's also you know we've talked here about the riskiness of these banks' assets, but one of the other problems is that once um, people believed the bank to be in trouble, they started pulling out their deposits, and so that's also a problem that we, the the regulators are supposed to be looking at, but sometimes don't totally pay attention to. Um, the government does provide deposit insurance, so that if so, if your bank fails. Um, then the government will make sure that you get some of your money back, and that might sometimes end up having to be paid for by taxpayers. Um, But the truth is that a lot of banks um, understand that that deposit insurance only covers up to $250,000. And so if you have really big depositors that have millions and millions of dollars, like Silicon Valley Bank was the bank for a lot of uh, venture capital companies in, in Silicon Valley, And uh, they weren't worried, for some reason, about depositors pulling their money out. A lot of other big banks require their large depositors to have private insurance because you can have private companies that will provide insurance in the same way that the government does but for higher amounts. Um, And for some reason, this bank didn't do that either. Um, and, again, that's something that the government could have asked them to do. Uh, but, the, you know, the, the regulators like to think that they know better and can do better than the private sector and the private insurance companies, but apparently that's not the case.
1: Yeah, obviously. You're right there for sure. That's a wrong assumption. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with our guest today, Dr. Thomas Hogan, uh, senior research faculty member at the American Institute for Economic Research, talking about the, uh, the banking issues, that are going on right now and um, we'll talk we talked about silicon valley a little bit about first republic a little bit about signature um now you've got well i'll save that for the other bank that's uh doing kind of getting it on the ropes right now a little bit uh on the other side of this so stay tuned
3: A lot of things a country boy learns in life How to shoot a gun and how to use a knife But when I P.A. Gilbert worked in retail and restaurant management for 14 years. It was time for a change. I
5: recognized where I was at was vulnerable to the whims of the economy.
3: Then he heard about my computer career. Gilbert went for it. In as little as seven months, I got all of my certifications at a fraction of a cost for college. He became an IT pro in just months with zero experience at my computer. ComputerCareer.edu. I can work from anywhere. I have more time for my family as well. It's not rocket science. It's MyComputerCareer.edu. This is one student's experience. Individual results vary.
0: Proud to be a part of Frederick County's 275th anniversary. 930 WFMD.
1: Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for being with us this weekend. I appreciate it. Again, happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, You are the backbone, right? Couldn't do it without you. Thanks for everything. I hope you have a great weekend. Wrapping up our conversation with our guest today, Dr. Thomas Hogan, senior research faculty member at the American Institute for Economic Research. Just go to org and get a bunch of quality... Uh, Just top-notch information on many, many different economic and financial issues. So, uh, Dr. Hogan, you know, we've got – we talked about these various banks that, you know, were taken over by the FDIC and bailed out by Jamie Dimon and all this other nonsense. How do you feel it's impacted the rest of the banking sector?
4: well
5: it, it seems like a lot of the banking sector is in turmoil right now you know it's it 's kind of hard to tell uh, how widespread this problem is, um, partly because like I said before, a lot of the assets that are having problems right now are things that are normally considered to be safe, and so it 's not really clear um, how many banks are Uh, having similar risk exposure. But it seems like the government's response to these failures is also kind of creating a problem. Uh, For example, one of the other banks that's in trouble right now is PacWest. Their stock price fell by about 90% as of about a week ago. It bounced back a little bit and then is down again this week. Um, But they previously, about a month ago, had some potential suitors that were going to buy that bank and take it over. But what happened was when First Republic Bank failed, JP Morgan came in to purchase that bank, and the government really sweetened the deal a lot. The FDIC absorbed 13 billion of the losses and promised to absorb another 80% of any future losses on the assets that JP Morgan acquired, and they also lent JP Morgan 50 billion dollars to do that deal. And so now, you know, none of these other big banks want to come in and take over a smaller bank unless the government is going to give them some assistance as well. And so the fact that the government is in there doing these bailouts means it's going to be harder for, for private companies to come in and save some of these failing banks
1: yeah it 's just moral hazard, right? I mean, you would have thought that we would exactly, learn yeah yeah, we would have learned from this in the uh, two thousand eight two thousand and nine financial crisis when what seven hundred and forty five billion dollars in tarp money goes out, and they didn 't even specify how the money had to be used so i mean it, it 's it's, it's ridiculous and, and it really does impact uh, that confidence, and I feel so badly for people that are worried about this, probably it's not necessary for them to have the anxiety and the stress over it because chances are their bank, you know, is is doing very well, regional bank or local bank or credit union, whatever it may be. Um, and, and they shouldn't have to worry because the other part of that, as you said, is when that happens, you get people, you know, taking money out, and you lose that confidence in that just kind of domino effect that we really don't want to see.
5: Yeah, the, the government's creating a lot of uncertainty here because they're just making up these bailout programs as they go. You know, the ones with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, they bailed out the uninsured depositors, which they're not supposed to be able to do. You know, the the people that are um, paying for FDIC deposit insurance they're the ones that are supposed to be insured and the government said no no even the the rich venture capitalists that have all these you know millions of dollars in this bank we're going to bail them out too even though they weren't paying into the, the deposit insurance system and we're going to get that money by charging other people who are so we're going to bail out you know these Millionaires that are in uh, that have more than two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in their bank accounts, and we're going to charge the other bank accounts, which average about five thousand dollars. And so it's you know it's a bailout of the Silicon Valley venture capital funds by like regular mom and pop depositors. And the, there's no rule for doing that. They just the, the regulators just decided to do it anyway. And so it's it's crazy. People are uncertain about what's happening because the government's response has been just very random and kind of made up.
1: Yeah, you're right, made up uh, as they go along. And and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read at one point that the average um, account balance at S- Silicon Valley Bank was $4 million. So, you know, you, you you have to wonder, and like you said, Roku and a lot of these other Technology companies and venture capitalists that, you know, had all that money there. It just it it really to a lot of people looking in, it doesn't seem fair because the other part of this we heard the baloney, in my opinion, from Yellen and everybody else is it's not going to cost anybody any more money. The banks have to pay for this insurance. They're going to pass the cost on just like they always do.
5: Yeah, yeah. It, it's really depositors that are paying that cost, and it's a misdirection by the regulators to say it's going to be paid by banks. Um, in fact, some some banks put on your, on your bill the amount that you're paying, like you're required to pay by law for deposit insurance, and the FDIC tells them, hey, we would prefer if you didn't do that. We would prefer if you not tell your depositors how much we're Require, the government is charging them for this deposit insurance, so the you know the government wants to hide that and pretend like it's banks doing it when it's really you know that money is going to come out of, out of um, the pockets of regular depositors, um, and it's also the case that the way that they did the the bailouts uh, for the uninsured depositors for uh, SVB and Signature Bank, um, you know one of the things Yellen said was this is not going to cost taxpayers any money. And the only way that they were able to do that was they declared those banks as systemically important just so they could bail out the uninsured depositors. There happens to be a law that if a bank is systemically important, then they can do that. But clearly, these banks were not systemically important. And they just, you know, after they had failed, retroactively declared them as such so they could get around this law.
1: Just a different wording for too big to fail, right? Yes, right. So <laughs> we just won't learn. Or at least some people don't. It's such a shame. Um you know, and then of course this weekend, and thank you, that was the bank I was gonna reference, um, not to, you know, point fingers, but Pac West Bancor, um, out you know, on the, the, the West Coast there has just been mm-hmm. really on the ropes for um quite some time now. And the other thing I'm wondering, I always say this is you know, this is when these deals happen over the weekend. When the markets are closed and people, especially this weekend, hopefully like at our house, are going to have cookouts and celebrating Mother's Day and not paying attention. Next thing you know, you're going to learn Sunday evening or Monday, potentially, that you know some type of other deal was done that's not in the public's best interest.
5: Yeah, that's right. And you know, like I said about Pac West, that they previously had some suitors that were gonna potentially buy them. Um, but that has gone away because it looks like now they're they're waiting for a government bailout here. And so probably what'll happen is this weekend or next weekend, sometime soon uh, they will do that, and the government will take over that bank and sell it to some other larger bank and give them some kind of subsidies or financial incentives. And then we'll find out at the end of the weekend that the government has given away, you know, another billions of dollars of taxpayer money. So uh, that's a shame, but that's probably what I expect to happen. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Thomas Hogan's been our guest today. Uh, Dr. Hogan, thanks for all the really good um, sharp to the point information. That's what this program program's about. So I know everybody enjoys, uh, you know, learning and understanding more. So thank you for joining us. I appreciate it.
3: Yeah. Thanks. Glad to be on. Okay. Take
1: care. Have a good rest of the weekend. Again, folks, you can go to, um, a I E R dot O R G. Um, If you're driving, don't try to write that down if you're listening on the radio or, um, you know, if uh, for whatever reason you don't have a pen, just, you know, drop me an email. I'll make sure you get the website. Really good information from Dr. Hogan and all of his uh, his colleagues. Uh, The American Institute for Economic Research. uh, We've had him on a few times are becoming more of a friend. Uh, with us here on the program really good stuff and we appreciate it and that's why we want to share it with you so that does it for us uh we're uh up against a a hard break got to uh kind of end things if you will and um i hope you have a great rest of the weekend again happy mother's day god bless all you moms uh thanks for everything and um we will talk to you on the Morning News Express with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. Those are live conversations Monday through Friday at 50 a.m. And then we'll be back here uh, next week, uh, next weekend to talk about. Um, actually, next week, next weekend, we're going to be talking to our friend Laura Reese from um, Heritage, who was formerly with the Department of Homeland Security, uh, and she's going to give us the true. Uh, skinny on what's going on with uh, the border. It's just, it's such a shame. But anyway, we're not going to ignore it. We're going to talk about it and uh, give you uh, some good information on that. So until then, this is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success.